0: Oh. 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 Oh.
1: oh This is a phone booth Fighting Special Report, International Edition from Las Vegas, Nevada all the way to Russia. I am Richard Hunter. One half of phone booth fighting, the other half of phone booth fighting has been dispatched to the former Soviet Union. That's Frank Mir, and he is joining me now via the Skype line with his ACB MMA broadcasting co-host, Brian Lacey. Fellas, do you have me?
2: We've got you, my friend. Good, good to be here.
1: Nice to meet you, Brian. Uh, what have you done with my friend Frank? Is he there?
2: Well, yeah, I have stolen him. We,
1: we are sharing a room. I need
2: to talk to you about your friend, Frank, as well. But firstly, can I just say what an honor it is to be on the number six ranked sports podcast in the world, my friend.
1: <laughs> Thank you very Frank's much. Frank's not
2: mentioned that much. He's not, not been dropping that every time showing me the choose the, the ratings. Uh, like, don't worry, buddy. You'll be there. You'll get that. <laughs> you got know, the comedian and the fighter. It's a great formula. It's it's a, a, a comedian called Brian and a fighter. Yeah, it seems to work. But... um. Yeah, man, it's it's good. I've got I've got to ask though, because when I listen to your podcast and when I followed Frank's career, he's a, he's a man's man. He's t- he talks guns, he talks fighting. Yet well, since he's been over here, I've taken him shopping. Yeah, we've gone for long walks together. Yeah. We sit up late at night watching the Russian X Factor. And today I took him to uh, to go and get his haircut. So there's a different Frank this side of the ocean, mate.
1: Excellent. Well, I'm. Uh, I, I understand that. Uh, I think what he's doing is he's figured out a way to parlay every one of these ACB trips into getting a new wardrobe. He just claims that his luggage gets lost.
2: <laughs> you say that my my luggage got lost on this trip. So uh, he had it last time. My, my luggage just arrived about three hours ago. So. Uh, not quite as dramatic as his, but yeah, we're we're both fully clothed. I'll let you know that.
1: All right, Brian. Well, I told, I expressed my disappointment with Frank, uh, this last trip over to call the ACB fights, because when I found out that they were, uh, supplying him with a new wardrobe, I wanted to see him sitting cage side with, uh, a a jacket that had a lot of gold brocade on it and maybe one of those (laughs) furry hats. And he didn't do that. So maybe you can do that this time around.
2: This time, next time, it was. I'm sure you've talked about this experience, but the funniest part of it for me was um, when we were going. So he, he and he's a, he's a star, man. He's an absolute legend because all this stress, he has. He just lets it. He rolls with it. He's, he's chilled. He doesn't get angry or stressed about it. Uh, so we have to go find him clothes, clothes for a big man in Russia. We don't speak Russian, and as we're walking into the mall, and he's just in his comfy outfit, he just looked at me and he went, "That's this is all I've got." And I thought, "Well, okay." But then he looked at me again, and he went, "No, seriously." this is all i've got <laughs> and i realized he meant that under there there was zero z- zero anything else but that look in the eyes said it all mate we had the yeah. uh a few whatever people. clothes you see is all the clothes i have <laughs> if you don't see it i'm not wearing it
1: <laughs> just a two-time world champion traveling the world in flip-flops in that's fl- all he needs.
0: hey man when you're playing for 12 hours you want to be comfortable <laughs> uh underwear a little constricting you know <laughs>
1: ACB 50, the big end of the year show card, that's why Frank is over in Russia, is going to stream live and for free tomorrow on YouTube. If you're in America, uh, Pacific time, it looks like it starts at 7 a.m. and uh, that would be 10 a.m. Uh, West Coast. You can stream it on the ACB mma youtube page we're trying to set it up where you can stream it on the uh, phone booth fighting facebook page as well i'm uh working behind the scenes to get that done but just know you can watch it on youtube for free and uh that's from st petersburg russia it will be 6 p.m local time over there and if you're anywhere in between i know we have a, a lot of international listeners you can uh do the math in your head but one thing is for sure uh, everybody loves hearing Frank do, uh, color commentary on, uh, fights and especially when they're good fights and ACB puts on a really quality product. Frank's done these uh, a couple of times already, and we've talked about it. We're going to talk some UFC. We've got, uh, some fights that have just been made that we've got to talk about big fights, uh, that have been made big fight announcements over, uh, the next, uh, 60 days or so. But, uh, first I want to ask you guys about the ACB card tomorrow night, ACB 50, uh, and on Frank's Twitter page at the Frank Mir, there's a great breakdown uh, from our friend Dan Tom at uh, MMA latest news. He kind of did a a, a a primer on uh, the the different guys uh, that are fighting and the matchups and all that. but I guess guys uh, tell me first at the top of the card there's a heavyweight title fight, right? Yeah
2: yeah big a uh, big title fight. there's four title fights in the card uh, in total which is an, an amazing. Um, night of fights in itself, yet alone with the rest of the card. But topping that is a uh, heavyweight bout between uh, uh, their current champion, Russell Love, takes on Dennis Golstov and um, they're both huge gentlemen, very highly skilled. Uh, both strikers as well. This is this is uh, the sort of striking and the techniques that you uh, you don't usually expect, don't usually associate um, uh, w- with heavyweights. As far as light on their toes, uh, big kicks, big spinning spinning kicks, very um, flamboyant moves from some just massive human beings. So uh, uh, it's it's one of those where it's an exciting um, prospect, Dennis Goldstoff, who's had eyes on him for quite a while now, and Razulov, and we were just at the weigh-ins who we got an absolutely massive cheer from the crowd, um, looking to sort of take the hype away from Goldstoff and prove why he's the champion.
1: And the challenger, now this is a guy who uh, has a couple of wins over UFC veterans, right? Paul Bluntello and James McSweeney, is this the same guy?
2: That's to say, they're still looking for Paul Buontello's head. <laughs> uh he kicked it and it's not landed yet it was uh, his last fight um which was just a, a stunning knockout and it was uh the paul bontella is called the headhunter and he uh uh he, he switched it around on him just used his timing used his distance um fainted with some low kicks and then just went up high uh for a knockout that went viral around around russia so it was up on their their version of facebook which was vk um and I was cage side for that. And, and just to see the speed at which he can close distance and throw those sort of uh, uh, weapons is, is a beautiful thing to watch.
1: Now, the co-main event is for the vacant welterweight title in the ACB promotion. And speaking of guys I've seen uh, fight before, Brett Cooper is challenging for this, a uh, Bellator veteran. I know I've seen him over there. He's taken on Aslombek Sidov. Uh, what can you tell me about this fight?
2: Uh, this is exciting. So the welterweight title uh, became vacant earlier this year when Albert Durayev, he, he missed weight. He was supposed to be fighting uh, uh, Patrick Kinsell to defend his title and uh, he missed weight quite badly. Um, so the title was stripped from him. And this uh, this fight is exciting because uh, Brett Cooper has come over. He fought their sort of golden um, uh, the sort of figurehead of Team Boku, which is Beslan uh, uh, Bezlan Izaev, and he just dominated him. Uh, for somebody that uh, uh has got as much hype, Bezlan is somebody on a 10 fight win streak, and Brett Cooper just used size, skill, wrestling, mixed it up, um, and, and really made a statement with his debut with ACB against Aslan Baksayidov, who's a KSW veteran, former KSW. World uh, welterweight champion as well um best friends with uh, uh Khalidov who's uh the current middleweight champion in KSW so he, he comes from a really good camp uh, and he debuted against Jesse Taylor who's another american uh and uh, d- destroyed him within a round uh, took him out uh, choked him out um so these two coming together this is uh, aside for how the divisions moving on the quality of fighters they're bringing in as well as the experience as uh, so you've got a polish fighter uh, Versus an American fighter so whoever takes this belt will be the first uh, fighter outside of Russia to hold a belt in uh, in A C B. So they'll, they'll make history
1: and then the uh, feature bout is going to be a bantamweight title fight as Brian mentioned There's four title fights total on this card uh, the uh, Bantamweight title fight is uh, a fight between uh, a, a, a guy named Magomed and a guy named Oleg. So uh, you know that fight's happening in St. Petersburg. No,
2: it's, it's gone down. <laughs> and, uh, if you don't know these. These two things, exactly, that's right uh, Matt, if you don't know these two fighters and this is one of the, the great things about coming over here and especially having someone like Frank on the broadcast bringing more eyes to this uh, this league because they're, they're, the only reason these aren't in the UFC is the fact that they, they don't speak English their skill set is up there the way they train, the preparation, the camps uh, is up there and if you want to uh, get wet your appetite for a Magomed Magomedov fight go back and watch the Pityan fight uh, Heathrow, when he fought Peter Yan at ACB32 uh, potentially fight of the year, and it's uh, a, a stunning back and forth battle. And this one, he goes up against Oleg Borisov, who's uh, five foot three, um, a judo expert, a boxing expert, built like Sean Shirk That's that's the way I sort of describe him to people. Mm. Um, uh, such a well-rounded fighter, and somebody who, when you see the muscle mass, you think they'll tire. But I've seen him go three hard rounds and and, and not break a sweat. So uh, him taking on Magomed Magomedov is uh, is just an exciting. One one thirty pound fight because the two skill sets that are coming together as well as two fighters in their prime um, all bode for what could be the the fight that steals the night.
1: Now, is this like, uh, you know, being a, a, a big end of the year card, uh, you know, pride was always known for doing a, a big end of the year card uh also uh the ufc of course does that every new year's weekend is this kind of the same approach with with acb that they're just emptying out their their arsenal as uh the 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 year ends
2: i think i think they're trying to make a bit of a statement because they've they've only they've only been in existence for just over or just under four years and they're already at 50 events uh once we've gone through saturday and i think that the um the, the the length of the division has moved, the promotion has moved on, uh, the quality of fighters they've brought together. I think they wanted to make a statement with this end-of-year card, put four belts out there. They're in a beautiful stadium, the Sibur Stadium in St. Petersburg. Um, it's looking like it's going to be a sellout, so there'll be thousands of people there. Um, I hope it will be a case that they're going to follow that pride uh, sort of way culture of putting a huge show on at the end of the year because i've been i mean me and frank have been talking about this card uh, for a little while since he's joined the acb uh, commentary team and uh, to see that it's finally here is, is just so exciting tomorrow night is yeah it can't come quick enough for me
1: frank it seems like I, I know every time you come back from one of these trips you're raving about the the quality of fights and the competitors uh, on this particular card, what what jumps out at you is uh, the thing that you're most anticipating the the heavyweights or, or something else?
0: Yeah, watching Gustav fight uh, today, I was watching the heavyweights, you know, weigh in and just looking at their physiques and watching how they fought the last couple of fights. Both guys being such you know uh, unusual strikers for being heavyweights is something that I find intriguing because you know throwing kicks just isn't typical the heavyweight division because they don't want to be on their back. No one wants to slip you know, and, and end up there. And so you know, predominantly when you see a lot of the strikers in the MMA now, in the heavyweight division, even in light heavyweight, typically they're more hands oriented. So seeing someone doing spinning back knuckles and spin kicks and, and using distance to, uh, you know, to be elusive and frustrate their opponent and draw them in and try to land a big knee maybe, but not necessarily just stalk them down and use traditional boxing, I think it's very interesting to watch guys of this size and stature uh, pull that off.
1: Frank, are you seeing guys over there that, that you could easily see, um, showing up in, in the UFC or, or Bellator or one of the, the, the bigger American promotions sometime well, in the next couple of years?
0: Like I keep telling you and what I said, you know, and, and Rich and, uh, and, uh, Brian just brought up the only reason why a lot of these guys are not in the UFC right now is the language barrier. Um, you know, and also too, I think culturally, uh, especially the Russian fighters, there's a much stronger tendency to, you know, the old, you know, uh, you, know you know, to uh, to walk softly and carry a big stick. Um, that seems to be pretty much the uh, the motive or the, just the method of operations. Here, you know, a lot of the fighters are just very quiet, very soft-spoken. Um, you know, there's not a lot of trash talking, if anything, coming from, especially the Russian fighters, and, you know, go out there and put on a performance. And, and and I don't know. It doesn't seem like that criteria works as well with the UFC fights. I don't know if that's because they created that, or if that's what just American fans more demand. We want to know the two guys hate each other and the trash they talk, and that's why you have a Conor McGregor, the Chael Sonins, and mm. Tito Ortiz of the world. Um, they're not creating that here. You're not. There is no uh, soundbite. You know, uh, superstars that are going to say something outlandish but they perform on a phenomenal level. I mean, these guys, if you're just into fighting and and the drama of guys talking trash or making shit up and the pro-wrestling aspect of fighting uh, bores you or you're tired of it, you just want to see guys fight, then this is definitely for you. But, you know, if you're into the pro-wrestling and the drama and the whole, uh, you know... uh, entertainment value of fighting of, you know, who doesn't like who, who slept with Sue's girlfriend or who, <laughs> what camp the guy left and now they hate him. And if they see him, you know, you know, if you're looking to that, then these fights aren't going to entertain you because this is just guys just trying to be martial artists and the phenomenal warriors is trying to go at it.
1: All right. So if the language barrier is a hurdle for some of these guys, I just had uh, an idea for a viral web series to, uh, promote ACB MMA. How about, uh, English lessons with Frank Mir and Brian Lacey. And (laughs) you guys will, uh, sit down with fighters and teach them English. And and I think what's going to be a lot of fun is depending on who their primary tutor is, uh, to see whether or not they come out of the, the course speaking the Queen's English or having a hard time pronouncing Anthony Njikawani's name. I think that would be fascinating.
0: <laughs> or they wouldn't pronounce their own names if they threw it from me. <laughs> people would be like, uh, I, people, well, would be- of that, just, like I said, getting them that attitude of being brash, you know, you know, for example, today at the weigh nobody shoved anybody. No one headbutted anybody. Mm. No one threw cans into the audience. Um, that type of uh, behavior is very much, I think, you know, they don't yeah. do that here. You, don't, you know, I mean? if you want to fight, they'll show up and fight you, you know, uh, any day of the week. But if you're trying to create any type of uh, intrigue and turmoil, uh, you know, if the commission is looking to find these guys for any kind of bad behavior, they're going to go broke pretty quick.
2: There's also the other thing, These, I mean, over in England, our thing is, is what well, you call it soccer, football, uh, so on Sundays, we would send our kids to go play soccer,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, whereas, in, whereas you've got the wrestling culture in America. Over here, they've got... Football and baseball. Ba- football, football and baseball, is that yeah, you well, yeah, There well, yeah. you go. I, I see, I like that. Uh, but over here, they put their kids very young, from uh, uh, three, four, five years old, they're in uh, combat wrestling, Sambo, mm-hmm. uh, Greco. And wrestling and that that culture. So some of these fighters uh, have, and they have long amateur careers, or they compete. Uh, at, at especially these ones, they've competed at a very high level. Some of the fighters we've spoken to have had before they've even turned pro, uh, 200 300 uh, combat sports uh, comp- competitive fights. So that doesn't necessarily mean MMA fights, but um, they've either competed in uh, uh, yeah, like I said, sambo, uh, kempo, uh, all all these things. So that's what they do. That is how they sort of bring their kids up that's how they instill discipline so they don't get phased by going and fighting somebody no. or the bravado that comes with it well, they do it they do it they've done it all their life for example uh, ramzan Kardioff, uh his boys the one of them just fought
0: recently a couple months ago yeah. in an mma fight that made it uh you know in the news yeah uh, they're not teenagers i mean they're young ten, boys ten years, ten, 10 years old 10 years old yeah. already fighting you know uh, professional level mixed martial arts Uh, It just um, here is just part of the fight culture, Um, you know. What I find interesting as I'm
2: thinking about it is pro wrestling even big here at all? Not not at all. Not not like they don't have they 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 don't really follow that uh, that culture. This yeah they they're not really into it. They 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 watch uh, they want to see the real fighting. Yeah yeah Mm -hmm. exactly.
0: See I I guess that just kind of displays it for anybody. Pro wrestling here not sell out stadiums (laughs) Um, here. It's sumbo and real fighting is what people pay, you know, tickets and go see, whereas, you know, in the US, pro wrestling still outsells UFC. So they just that's kind of the difference in mindset mentality and, and probably a barrier for a lot of the fighters if for culturally to try to step into the, uh, you know, to the UFC.
1: The fights uh, will stream live tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Eastern, and around the world on ACB MMA's YouTube page with Frank Mir and Brian Lacey. Now, Frank, in addition, of course, to you going over to Saint Petersburg, Russia, to call the fights, we also dispatched you on a fact-finding mission to investigate allegations of russian hacking into the dnc now my expectations for this investigation have been tempered somewhat by the fact that you had to have brian come over to your room to help you log into skype so what have, <laughs> what is your investigation uncovered so far
0: yeah not too much uh so far uh you know uh I think Hillary's just, uh, you know, SOL'd on this situation. We'll oh. find out what the CIA figure out. But, well, uh, who? so far, I don't know. Over here in Russia, I don't know if I want to say anything bad or uh, upset anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to stay on Putin's good side. It seems like it's not a good idea to piss the guy off, you know. That one politician that kind of made him angry a couple of years ago uh, didn't fare too well there in the Red Square, you know, out eating with his woman. So, uh, you know, hey, I want to stay friends with everybody. Exactly. It seems like you
1: live. <laughs> I, I I like how just as I asked that question, our connection started flickering just a little, just a little. We're being watched, brother. We are being watched. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. Hey, uh, you know, also,
0: on a funny note, as far as talking about technology, yeah. Guess who else really hates RSS feeds? Uh who? This guy. Oh, this guy. Ryan completely <laughs> started asking me. He goes, oh man, are you having problems? I'm like, yo. You're speaking to the wrong counterpart.
2: <laughs> yeah. I barely know how to spell it. I yeah. did the same as you. I, I'm, I podcast where well, I changed my website and then uh, yeah, I lost my RSS feed for
1: yeah. So oh. yeah, I feel I feel
2: the same, man. All right,
1: you had the exact yeah, I, same.
2: uh
0: is uh, the other half of uh, his show
1: is you is we
0: fighting Uriah uh, Faber? That's right. Oh, you you okay? So the other half of your show is Brad Pickett. Yeah, that's why I was making jokes. They have the same kind of format that seems to be working pretty well now on the uh, (laughs) MMA podcast. They have a uh, comedian and a uh, professional fighter.
1: You can't go wrong.
0: uh,
1: That's the formula. Well, well, Brian, tell everybody uh, where they can find your podcast, especially given the fact that you've you've committed the cardinal sin of uh, messing with your RSS feed. We need to get the word out. Where do people find the podcast?
2: I appreciate this love coming from the sixth highest-ranked podcast <laughs> in, the, uh, in, the, in the world. Um, yeah, check it out. It's the One Punch podcast. So, uh, yeah, me and Brad, he trained me for my uh, one and only MMA fight, which was earlier this year. And off the back of that, um, we realized that, we, first of all, that I'm a much better talker than I am a fighter. Uh, and, yeah, I just had the idea. Same with you and Frank, I'm sure. I just was speaking to him, and we thought we, we should do this. We should just record... Uh, what we're saying, the nonsense that we talk, and we do a uh, we do a weekly podcast, which is me and him, literally doing that we wherever it takes us. And uh, he's a man full of golden stories. So uh, yeah, yeah. If you want to check us out, it's the One Punch Podcast uh, on iTunes. Uh, come and have a listen. Nice. Maybe we can uh, tomorrow, since you have
0: a uh, little insider ability to talk to him after the fights he's gonna yeah. have here. It'll be about what, three in the
2: morning our time. Maybe tomorrow in the afternoon,
1: we yeah, can, uh, we can hook him up. Yeah, we 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 can uh, we we can co-podcast. No, yeah, you know what? I was going to say we should swapcast that. That'd be the perfect way to do it. Uh, get his uh, post-fight, and okay, I'm totally in for that. If uh, if if you can make that happen, Brian, I like the idea. The only thing more complicated than coordinating a two-continent uh, broadcast is is trying to. Uh, Triangulate the uh, three countries. So why not? Let's uh, let's see. Well, I guess he'll pro- he'll probably still be in Sacramento at that point. So maybe it won't be that yeah. difficult. Yeah, yeah, He's taking on Uriah Faber uh, tonight. As a matter of fact, up in uh, Sacramento, California, it's going to be Uriah Faber swan song, win or lose. Faber uh, retires, and let's just talk about that real quick, guys. You know, uh, uh, Brian, Frank, and I have been talking a lot the last couple of weeks about uriah faber's legacy saying that he's got a case to make despite never having held a ufc championship for being in the ufc hall of fame for being a, a pioneer for the lighter weight classes uh maybe give us brad pickett's perspective on this and uh you know h- how you think he would fare how you expect the fight to go and and you know how how, how you see uh uriah faber's career now that it's just about uh, over
2: uh, there's there's a huge argument for for hall of fame. He was without a doubt a pioneer for the lightest light weight classes as a personality, as a brand as well. He was one of the, he's one of the few fighters that have really tapped into the business side uh, of mixed martial arts, and uh, he seems like a very good businessman. Alongside having the um, uh, the the gym that he's grown and, and built these these alpha males these these small men that fight so hard and have that particular style and that belief in themselves so without a doubt he's a um, he's a pioneer his WEC days alone make him stand out for what he did what he achieved in the featherweight division coming down to the bantamweight uh, uh, weight class as well and this is a this is a beautiful fight for me because um, for a number of reasons if you follow Brad and uh, Uriah Faber on social media uh, they've been they've been absolute gentlemen about this they're looking forward to fighting each other as soon as Brad got the the call from Sean Shelby offering him this fight uh, he sent um, a Uriah Faber a message and just said, look, I'm honoured uh, to, to be your last fight. That means a lot, and I'm going to train hard. Let's put a show on in Sacramento. And the flip side of that is one of the greatest fights that ever happened. I don't, did you call this one the uh, Uriah Faber versus Ma- uh, Mike Brown? I did. I was there. Uh, oh, uh, this, unbelievable. Breaks, Faber breaks both of his hands, and he ends up throwing these crazy elbows in, in this fight. And uh, Brad's talked to me about that fight because he was there with Mike Brown. And Mike Brown is now... Uh, Brad's coach, and he'll be in his corner. And there was a beautiful uh, picture of the three of them cutting weight together, or uh, Brad and Uriah cutting weight with with Mike Brown there. So a picture of all three uh, arm in arm, saying uh, uh, this is a little tip to, tip of the cap to the WEC days uh, and the years that they've they've all put into this sport. Because for me, um, the way they fight, uh, both Pickett and Faber and Mike Brown, chuck that in there as well. Uh, they're True martial artists, but as well, they're fighters. They put on a show for the fans. And uh, in Sacramento, for Faber to walk out in front of his home crowd, there's there's no better ending. And Brad Pickett will play his part. And uh, I'm hoping, obviously, Brad takes the win. But I'm I'm sure it's going to be an absolute war.
1: Frank, how do you see the fight? Uh, they they obviously didn't give Uriah Faber an easy one for his for his uh, exit interview. But uh, d- despite the, the fact that uh, Brad's got that, that punch and power, Faber, of course, brings a, a pretty accomplished wrestling pedigree into this.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, Uriah still just a, even in his retirement, I think he's still one of the top guys in the weight class. Uh, you know, he's never lost to anybody. You know, I've always kind of had that, uh, you know, mathematical formula where I sit there and just, just kind of the rule of thumb that when you start losing fights to guys and people don't know who the hell the guy is that you are fighting— it's probably time to hang it up. You know, you've made a slide. And uh, that's just not the case with uh, Uriah Faber. I mean, up until recently, he never even lost in a non title fight. Uh, but, uh, you know, but Brad Pickett's a tough character. The guy is, you know, predominantly known as a striker, just, you know, great footwork and great movement, great combinations. But I remember I, I watched him actually in WEC, I think it was 45. He, uh, when he made his debut over there, um, his first fight, he won by, uh, by a Peruvian necktie. Um, and, and just, I knew the guy that invented the move. So it always kind of stuck in my memory as somebody who is very well-rounded and, you know, Uriah can go out there and just think that it's a fight where he's going to take you down. Well, Uriah is not going to think that he's too well savvy of a fighter. Um, but uh, if anybody's thinking this is a striker versus a grappler, uh, and I think be further from the truth, both guys are very complete mixed martial artists. And I think you can see it's just an exciting fight going back and forth.
1: Side uh, conversation, who did invent the Peruvian necktie? (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, man, you know what? I don't want to mess it up. Uh, The guy's name was out of Vegas, and um, uh, 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 he was from Peru, and uh, he just had a guillotine that he would step over the back, and he was the first one to start calling it. He had done it in the UFC. Uh, Tony, what was Tony's last name?
2: I have to look it up, and i am got. All right. Look at that. Okay. Say, I will say this: I uh, I was calling some fights in the UK recently, and uh, um, a Spanish fighter put, locked up a, a Peruvian necktie. And in my excitement, I called it a Colombian necktie, and I got. <laughs> and in the uh, in the, my my supportive friends sent me pictures of a map of Peru. So uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's a little thing for for in your lane, Lacey. Don't try and that. <laughs> Uh, yeah,
1: now, Brian, speaking of uh, back back to the fight for a second, speaking of Faber's opponent Brad Pickett, wasn't Brad fairly wasn't he recently talking? I want to say, like within the last uh, couple of fights about possibly retiring himself, or am I getting that story confused?
2: um there's there's a little mixed um, uh, yeah, story there because uh, he, he fought in London and back in the summer, so I think it was was it June or July, he was fighting, um, uh, May actually, I think it was, uh, he fought in London, and the press, because it was his uh, first fight back in the UK for a long time, um, were asking him a lot of questions, because he's, I think he's 38 now, yeah. were asking him those questions, so that sort of hung in the air, um, he has spoken, and he's talked to me about um, Faber uh, being able to retire in front of his home crowd, and obviously he'd be excited to be able to hang him up in front of his, so um, he's, he's the thing is, he's still got the glint in his eyes. He's training. He's in the best shape I've seen him for a very long time. But there's a card coming up in London um, Yeah, that, uh, that he's, he's looking at. And maybe that, that might be his opportunity to, to hang him up there and do what Faber's doing in Sacramento, but in the UK. Um that'll be a, i'll be going to that and that'll be a very very tough fight to watch if he does hang him up because uh uh yeah he's aside from now becoming a friend and doing the podcast with him uh, he was one of the the uk fighters one of the ones that i always followed and uh um if you go back he's been going a long time right through cage rage into the wec um and now into Zufa and the ufc so for for, for me yeah he's uh, uh one of my all-time favorites uh, the answer to answer the question earlier
0: I, I finally looked up and found out uh, tony de souza out of las vegas and uh black belt under uh under and uh he was the one that made claim to the uh, peruvian necktie
1: there we go very nice
0: tech points to front me
1: <laughs> i knew
0: tony's first name but i'm like man it's been like i don't think i've seen him since 2007 <laughs> yeah so we're talking almost nine ten years now going back to the last time i've had a conversation with him that was- so i just remember his last name
1: that was a lot of peruvian neckties ago well, let's uh, let's take a look at a couple of fights, guys, that have been announced just within the last 48 hours or so, Frank, since you left the States. The UFC has announced a couple of big fights that will be taking place over uh, the next 60 days or so. A pair of big fights in the biggest of divisions, the heavyweight division, a couple of blue-chip prospects are finally getting what they've been asking for, which is uh, top 10 opponents. First off, Travis Brown's next opponent has been announced. This will take place at UFC 208. He's going to get the Black Beast Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis coming off of a win on uh, Fight Pass weekend uh, was that weekend before last, albeit kind of a kind of a lackluster affair. Uh, Travis has been on a bit of a skid. He's looking to uh, regain his footing, and Derek Lewis is looking to make a name off of uh, Hoppe. So, uh, what do you think about this announcement, Frank?
0: Well, I mean, I think it's a good uh, fight for uh, Travis and a bad fight for Derek Lewis. Uh, D- Derek just doesn't have. Uh, if you look at a lot of Travis's losses right now, um, it's guys that are highly active strikers tend to give him a harder time. Verdum is not a power puncher, but he throws a lot of volume, um, and the same with uh, Cain Velasquez. And both guys are a threat that so you have to worry about them taking you to the ground and what they can do there. Uh, you know, Velasquez is a great ground and pound guy that can finish you there, and obviously Verdum is a you know a high level black belt in jiu-jitsu. and so uh, you know. They pose many threats as they're throwing the punches. Uh, Derek Lewis loves power and he hits hard. And, um, you know, we saw a little bit of his takedown abilities, but I don't think they're going to be capable of taking Travis down. And even if he does, uh, you know, Travis is much more savvy on the ground as a jiu-jitsu competitor. And so the fact that he doesn't throw a lot of volume, if he's looking just to, you know, you know, throw sniper shots back and forth with Brown, uh, I just see that as Travis throws longer punches. He's the longer guy. He throws more accurate punches and uh, better combinations. And, uh, you know, just all around in in every facet of the game is just the better fighter. And barring the uh, lucky, you know, curse of a heavyweight just landing the shot that could uh, score a victory at any moment for either guy, uh, barring that, I just don't see any other way if on Sunday we're talking, you know, that, you know, I I can't see – Derek outstriking Travis. I can't see him out grappling him. Uh, His cardio is going to be nowhere near what Travis's is. Travis's cardio has always been uh, top notch. Um, And so it just, you know, I just don't see in any way. I think it's a great fight for Travis just to actually add something to his highlight reel.
1: UFC 208 is going to take place February the 11th at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, also added to that card before we talk about the other heavyweight match that's been made uh, on a different UFC card. Also added to UFC 208 is going to be Jim Miller versus Dustin Poirier. Nothing wrong with this uh, with this fight at all. A couple of guys uh, whose names, when I see them pop up on paper, I always know that uh, there's going to be a competitive fight in the mix. Brian, I'll start with you. Miller versus poirier seems like a a uh good way to set the bar for ufc 208 for the uh the main and the co-main that follows
2: oh they're, they're such uh sturdy signings for any card they uh uh they always bring it they've got great technique um they're well-rounded as well they they can stand and bang or they've got the uh, uh like jim miller's jiu-jitsu is is excellent um uh, There's a great, I don't know if it was a tweet Paul was showing, that's showing us that the, the, the gentleman who sorts us out uh, with uh, coming over to Russia and, and organises the, the ACB um, uh, events over here with us. He uh, showed me a little message. I don't know if it was put up as a tweet. It was Joe Silver basically sent Jim Miller the, uh, just a message, one line saying, Look, we've got Dustin Poirier for you. Would you be interested? And Jim Miller sent a one back saying, I'm in. And then. Uh, Joe Silva just sent a message back saying, of course you're in, you're Jim fucking Miller, um, it's been a pleasure working for you, working with you, uh, thank you, so that's just you can just tell these are the type of guys that um, it's not just about the opponents, they'll take anyone, anytime, anywhere, but the fact that these two are coming together, um, the fact that they are so dangerous in their own rights and they bring a great skill set, um, that, that's, that's a superb uh, fight for any card.
1: That's going to be on UFC 208. Frank, your thoughts on that fight, Miller and Poirier?
2: Well, no, I agree
0: as far as, I mean, Poirier is a very aggressive and well-rounded fighter. Uh, but Jim Miller, you know, he's willing to stand there and throw with anybody and throw back and forth. But uh, really just, you know, once he gets you to the ground, he's just a, a very menacing grappler you know very complete mixed martial artist especially in the grappling realm where it's not like he's just a jiu-jitsu guy or just a wrestler but i think imposes his will in all areas so um i'm super interested to see the fight i mean i don't think i've ever seen a miller fight or a portier fight that hasn't been a great fight to watch neither guy has ever tried to just you know skid by on a judge's decision stick behind a jab and just use footwork or or even just take someone down and just you know hold them down and try to get the nod. So I think that's something that everybody, uh, I see both fights, this one and the heavyweight fight, I don't think would go the distance. So I think that's always a good uh, formula for success and for uh, the fans' enjoyment.
1: Back to the heavyweight division. On January 28th, the UFC is going to uh, conduct its 23rd Fox Network card that's going to take place in Denver Colorado the birthplace of the UFC and it has been announced that on that card there will be a fight between a recent opponent of Frank Mears Andre Arlovski, another former UFC heavyweight champion he's going to be taking on guys Francis Ngannou who no, no, no. is undefeated oh. in the UFC? Four and 9 and one over his career. An absolute beast. Currently sitting uh, ranked number eleven among heavyweights, but number eleven with a bullet after uh, he just choked out Anthony Hamilton. Uh, Frank, what do you think about this one in your heavyweight division?
0: Well, I think great improvement on Anthony or uh, in uh, not Anthony. I'm sorry, in. Hamilton uh, in Ingano. in gun. Uh you know, he looked very much more of a, a brawler. And, uh, you know, his losses outside the UFC have been taken down and very easily handled on the ground. And, uh, you know, even though Andre doesn't like to specifically try to take the fight to the ground, he is a high-level Sambo player. And, you know, he's won a UFC title with a, you know, footlock. Uh, so, you know, I, I think he's a much more complete mixed martial artist. And, and I think it really is going to boil down to where you know, where he trains. Because I've seen heavyweight fights happen before in Denver, and they always suck.
2: <laughs> because
0: heavyweight fighting at sea, you know, at, at a mile above elevation, 5,000, 6,000 feet, um, everybody's sucking eggs to begin with and having a hard time breathing. You add that to a guy who weighs 250 pounds and, you know, you're going to see three minutes of action and then, you know, typically uh, two more rounds of just, you know, polar bears making love. <laughs> uh, and I do know that, you know, Andre, you know, training there at Albuquerque, they train at 5,000, 6,000 feet elevation. Uh, so I think he'll be more suited for that o- uh, over there. Uh, if Nagano doesn't take that seriously and train at elevation, I think he's going to have a serious detriment in the fight. Um, it's just there's no way to get around how that's going to feel besides training in light, thin air at elevation. And, uh, you know, I mean, you've seen one of the most cardio-intense fighters in the heavyweight division, Kane Velasquez, underestimate the elevation in Mexico City when he was defending his belt against Fabricio Verdum, who did not underestimate that factor, showed up 10, 12 weeks before the fight and had his camp up there, um, and then was actually a camp at Big Bear even before that, leading into that camp. Whereas, uh, you know, Velasquez trained at sea level, and Velazquez is known for having a gas tank, not even just having decent cardio, but having world class cardio, not even counting for a heavyweight, and he gassed out tremendously. So, uh, you know, that's a huge factor playing into that fight. So uh, if uh, Francis trains at sea level, uh, he better hope he knocks out Andre in the first 30 seconds. Uh,
1: You know, Andre just, it it seems hard to believe because uh, it it just seems like uh, so recently we were talking about him reemerging into heavyweight title contention. and, And I guess this speaks to his uh his busy schedule over the last year and a half or so but all of a sudden you look up and he's on a three fight skid having lost fights to Stepe Miocic, Alistair Overeem and Josh Barnett. Uh Frank, do you think that if he were to lose a fourth to Francis Ngannou that this is kind of one of those fights like okay, you know, not all three fight losing streaks are created equal. You did lose to three top contenders now if you lose to a guy that's outside of the top 10 maybe it's it's time to think of start thinking about wrapping up the career what do you think
0: no that's a scary fight for him it was the same as when i fought todd duffy Mm. you know at that moment you know i was coming off of four losses and finally beaten uh uh Bigfoot Silva, but then, you know, a quick knockout. Is it a fluke? Is it or not? Now it's facing somebody who was unranked. What a fight, by the way. What an answer. Yeah, <laughs> but nuts. talk about a nerve-wracking fight. <laughs> you know, losing to an Alistair Overeem or a Daniel Cormier. Chich, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, those things, other guys are not going to look badly It's like kind of getting your ass kicked, you know, by Anderson Silva or
2: losing a uh, race to Usain Bolt.
0: Yeah. If you're losing to guys that are you know in the top five, six, seven of the world, I don't think you know they're talking about giving you walking papers. Yeah, you start losing to guys that are unranked or ranked outside the top ten, you know, and you compound that with the fact that you've lost a couple fights, uh, then that conversation starts coming up. So uh, do I think that Andre gets cut if he loses? No because he still makes too much money anywhere else and the UFC is not in the business of trying to help out other uh, organizations. Uh, You know, Andre can immediately go over to Bellator or World Series of fighter or Risen or come over to ACB and immediately make an impact and be a a headliner. Uh, You know, being a former champion the UFC, fought so so many times over. So he still has a name. He's not 40 years old yet. I I think he's only a year older than I am. So I think he's around 38. Uh, And so... That being the case, he's still somebody that can generate revenue. Um, is it going to be a damper to him as far as maybe personally feels like he has to retire? I don't know. Uh, it is going to be stressful. Um, you know, If he tells you he's not stressed out about it, uh, he's lying because I've been in the same shoes as he is, and uh, it's extremely stressful. Um, there is a, there's a kind of a serenity to fighting somebody you're not expected to beat him. Uh, it's easier. Uh, fighting somebody you should beat or you know basically it's going to be a conversation whether you should be fighting anymore if you lose to them that adds a whole lot of pressure to it
1: uh also on this denver card ufc on fox 23 this thing is uh turning out to be a absolutely stocked uh stacked card the uh main event Uh, I I guess this is the main event as it sits right now is uh, Valentina Shevchenko against Juliana Pena. Juliana Pena says she's going to absolutely hit the roof if she wins this fight and doesn't get a women's bantamweight title shot. Uh, But the co-main event, is uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone making a quick return? Not Well, it's not really even a quick return for him, but a uh, quick return for most fighters. After uh, just here recently defeating Matt Brown, knocking him out via head kick last weekend, he's going to be taking on Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. I like this fight, guys. You know, Jorge was calling for this fight uh, in the... Uh, he fought on the Ultimate Fighter live finale here at the Palms in uh, Vegas a couple of weeks ago when uh, Mighty Mouse Johnson defended his title, and um, Masvidal was calling for this fight with Cerrone. When I saw it, when I saw him doing or heard him doing it, at first I thought, well, I, you know, I don't know because Cerrone, especially if he were to defeat Matt Brown is probably going to start getting talked about in terms of possible welterweight title shots. And Masvidal came into that Ultimate Fighter finale actually not even ranked, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. But I like the makeup of the fight. Uh, I, I like the way it, it it feels when I say it. And I guess, you know, knowing Cowboy Cerrone, like Jim Miller, Brian, like your point, of course he's going to take this fight. He's Donald Cerrone. Uh, Brian, what do you think?
2: <laughs> well, I like the way it feels when you say it too, my yeah. man. That's uh... <laughs> uh, it's it's exciting. This is uh, Colorado, Denver, Colorado. This will be the homecoming of Cowboy Cerrone. So this is uh, a huge fight for him in front of a crowd. He's not fought in front of for a very long time. He's looked just uh, phenomenal at one seventy. Just everything seems to have clicked. Um, his mindset is putting it together in the cage. Sometimes um, people said he was a bit trigger shy to start. with started slow in uh, some of his fights at one fifty five. Was it the weight cut? Now he's at uh, 170. Um, Just knocked out four, uh, finished four people in four fights this year alone. Um, So stayed as active as we know he always is. But going up against uh, Masvidal, he's an American top team fighter. And he's one of the nicest bad men you'll ever meet in uh, in your life. One of the the best set of hands, really good striker. Um, Used to be on the um, Kimbo Slice uh, Street Fights. Right. Um, series, so he's been out there and he's done uh, bare knuckle boxing he's fought all of his life, uh, I talked to Brad Pick. he was a very good friend of his uh, trained alongside him um, and they, they said he used to make his money when he was a kid, if they were short on money they would just go find a gang uh, to come together and pick a couple of people to fight and try and make their money that way, so this is somebody who's a martial artist but he's also uh, he's a fighter, he's come from, from a, a tough background um, and for my money, one of the best boxers Certainly in 170. Um, has had a couple of decisions uh, that maybe could have gone his way. Uh, Weird fights that he's lost the decision on. Um, But stylistically, these two coming together, uh, he's called for it. He's got it. Um, He's going to have to face Cowboy at his best. It's going to be a case of can he really make his name off the back of Cowboy in Denver, Colorado, but either way, I think it's going to be stand and bang, and we're going to uh, we're going to have a fight we'll be talking talking about for a very long time.
1: Frank, how do you see that fight going, Cowboy and Masvidal?
2: Well, I
0: think Cowboy's really found his true weight class. I think that just uh, you know he took a really good shot from Matt Brown who was a, a big welterweight, and uh, you know uh, hits hard, and, and and he he got stunned, he took a knee, and immediately bounced back up. So I think that uh, I think that the depletion to one fifty five just never really uh, did well. I think he's kind of is he able to make 155? Yeah, he can make it, but obviously it's not his best performance. And you know, if they had a 163 weight class, I think he'd have been the champion already for last couple of years. I think that uh you know, he's obviously not a big welterweight, uh, you know, for the fact that he can make 155. But uh you know, the only thing about it that kind of bugs me as you're telling me this is that that wasn't an easy fight that he had with Matt Brown. That was a uh, pretty hard brawl, and I'm just wondering, you know, how much time he's going to take off to try to recover and recoup, and, you know, being busy has its advantages, but, uh, you know, like anybody who does anything, uh, overworking or, you know, could also burn you out, and even if psychologically his mind is able to push through it, um, you know, the body, we're still mortal, we're still flesh and blood, and uh, we have our limitations, and, you know, injuries start to occur, and, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, things that could go wrong, go wrong, it, it, that could have been avoided had we just, you know, eh, let's take two weeks off. Let's just recoup a little bit more, maybe give ourselves a little time to heal and not immediately jump back in there. And, you know, and the other thing that kind of kills, you know, Donald in that way is it's not like he's just busy in the octagon. When the guy's outside the octagon, his lifestyle is just as dangerous and, in uh, high uh, octane. So I just, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, he doesn't fall a victim of just too much.
1: Yeah, it seems like it could potentially be a dangerous fight for Cerrone. He's, he's, I think he's got more to lose, obviously, in terms of rankings here than, than Masvidal does. I think it's a great fight. It looks good on, on, on paper. Doesn't surprise me that Cerrone, I mean, he called for not, not so much calling out Masvidal, but in his uh, post fight interview with Joe Rogan after he defeated Matt Brown, he asked to be on this Denver Colorado fight and uh, fight card and if you're going to put him on there obviously these days you got to match him up against a quality opponent like Masvidal but uh, Cerrone no no uh, never averse to to taking risk and he's doing the same thing inside the octagon on January 28th for the UFC on Fox 23 card. Um, this fight card also is going to feature Rafael Sunsal versus Aljamain Sterling Hector Lombard versus Brad Tavares this is uh, is is shaping up to be one of the uh, the better UFC on Fox cards in some time all right guys let's uh, let's do this before we wrap up I thought we'd uh, we'd check in with the UFC's accounting department and get an update on who's who's on uh, who's on uh, the naughty list for Christmas who's uh, going to be suspended by the Nevada State Athletic Commission and how much it's going to cost because we had a couple of formal rulings handed down. Uh, former opponent of Frank Mears, two times over, Brock Lesnar. Guys, he has officially been suspended one year and fined a quarter of a million dollars for his failed drug test coming out of uh, the UFC 200 card, his fight with Mark Hunt. John Jones has also been officially suspended one year uh, being pulled off of that same UFC 200 card. So both of these guys will not be eligible for action again until mid 2017. Now, you know, Brian, my, my first thought here when I see this is that I'm not sure that Brock Lesnar uh, has any intention of really returning anyway. I think that might have been a one-and-done kind of thing for him, make the big money and then head back to the WWE where he is uh, right now, but uh, probably far greater implications for for John Jones, who's really, you know, seen his career sidelined here with uh having having to sit out and i guess at least now he knows uh when he can have his eye on trying to get another crack at the uh ufc lightweight title that was stripped of him
2: yeah it's been uh, it's been an interesting year watching this usada uh, era unfold and um people get caught and the did the, the ways people getting rounds getting uh, the, the fines and the lengths um the thing You say about Brock Lesnar, I think you can tell how much he's truly hurt by what they've done by the noise he's made since they announced that there's been zero from him, really. He's done exactly what you said, he's uh, he's taken the money he made. He's take obviously going to get a little uh, dig of it taken away, quarter of a million. Um, which for the contracts he's on, and I'm sure it was on for the uh, the fights uh, he did for the UFC and then moving back to uh, WWE. Um it's not going to be a, a massive dent in what what he made. And uh, uh, I would be astonished if we ever see uh, Brock Lesnar come back. The the John Jones one is the sad one, uh, really. If you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, when he talked about what happened and um, explained from his side, uh, what went on. Um, and then you look at how you saw the a, a, a dealing with it and how the fines have come down from Nevada, um, despite him sort of, uh, uh, try, trying to get some—I've uh, well, forgotten the, the word—whether he met with the uh, the commission to try and argue his case.
1: Arbitration.
2: Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. So it's when he tried to do that, it kind of backfired on him a little bit. I think um, it's, it seems to be consistent with John Jones that we we we, we it's, we're moving more away from talking about him as the most phenomenal talent athlete uh, to have ever stepped in this cage, and the conversation's always now about uh, stuff going on outside of it, which. Um, if it continues this way, we we just are, for me as a fight fan, I just do not want to miss John Jones' prime. I do not want to miss the fights that will um, bookmark an age and the potential of of what could be uh, the greatest man uh, to ever do this sport.
1: You know the, the what are what are your thoughts, Frank, on uh, on that, that pair of uh, of suspensions? Well,
0: actually, the one thing that you know that first came to mind when uh, I first read it. Was that um, if Brock has no intentions of fighting again, does he even have to pay the fine? Because I mean, that's pretty much what the athletic commissions do to hold over your your head. If you don't pay the fine, then you can't get like uh, license yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. If you don't get licensed, but but if you're a guy who's not looking to fight, the two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine is just kind of a uh, paper tiger.
1: That's a good question. Can it go on your credit report? I don't know. <laughs>
2: It's Brock. Is Brock Lesnar looking to get a loan. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I, that's that's a good point because Nick Diaz. The only reason he's uh, he's been waiting for his date is he had I think seventy thousand dollars left to pay from his suspension, and he, he they wouldn't release him from um, uh, his uh, his suspension until he would settled up that. And I think that's now apparently it's now been it's now been done. But like you said, if he didn't pay it, if he had no intention of fighting. Does he have to pay it? Is there anything? Can can they knock on your door? Can they come and collect? Is it, uh, or, or as is, as you said, you described it? Is it that paper tiger? Does it does it mean nothing? Is it just a number by which they're sort of branding uh, how bad they think what he did was.
1: Did you see like Brock Lesnar's at the at the bank because he's applying for a mortgage and he's he's got his necktie on around his big fat neck, you know, because he's trying to look uh, he's trying to look respectable. And the loan officer comes back with the paperwork printout and he's like, uh, you know, we've got something, we've got a slight problem here. Uh, there's, there's a blemish on your credit. I need a $250,000 uh, blemish. Well, it's interesting, Brian, that you brought up Nick Diaz because, yes, he did go in front of the Nevada State Athletic Commission to talk about the outstanding $75,000 that was owed on his $100,000 fine. But here was another revelation. Guys, did you know that the Nevada State Athletic Commission has a payment plan Nick Diaz, it got on a payment plan with the athletic commission. He had to put down $1,000 and he can pay out the $75,000 over time between now and the year 2023. Now the catch is if he takes a fight, he's got to pay it all off. And of course, that's probably what's going to happen. Diaz takes a fight. He's going to make more than that in salary and just get the thing paid off. But who knew that uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission had layaway? It's, it's almost as
2: if they make up rules as they go along.
1: <laughs> yeah, almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. but I don't think they have the ability to garnish wages or to put a lien on your home. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, I mean, Do do they even send you to collections? I mean, I really think that that basically what they do is when they find you, they hold your license over your head. Like, hey, you want your license? You want to be able to compete, make a living? Um, You need to pay us our money. And, you know, against boxers and other mixed martial artists, that threat holds a lot of weight because I'm going to interfere with your ability to make a living. Uh, Lesnar completely hurdles that issue because – he makes a very comfortable living never having to take a single punch.
1: Yeah, yeah, very true. Very true. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nate Diaz, also uh, Nick's little brother, he had business in front of the State Athletic Commission as well, guys. He was assigned a $50,000 fine for uh, throwing Monster Energy drink cans at the UFC 205 pre-fight press conference. But I got to tell you, Brian, one of those Monster Energy drink cans came so close to my head, I feel like I should probably be getting at least a little piece of that 50000 <laughs>
2: you should have tilted your head a little way if you could have been part of that news as well imagine in fact probably not a good thing because your numbers would have gone up you'd have lost your rss feed and then you'd have to start again but um uh yeah yeah i know i knew a few people from the press over there and they they said uh they they were right in the line of fire so literally starbucks and monster energy drinks going left and right so Well,
0: there's a case to be made that Richard suffered from it as far as traumatically, because just the other day at the house, I went to go hand him a soda and, you know, he shied (laughs) away real quick and, you know, curled up. I'm like, no, Rich, it's fine. I'm not throwing it at you, man. Come out from under the table, Rich. Come on. (laughs) Come here. I'll set it here. It's safe. We're in a safe place, man.
1: (laughs) Absolutely right. Well, uh, Brian Lacey and Frank Mir are over in St. Petersburg, Russia, because they're going to be calling the ACB MMA fights tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow evening, uh, local time, Russia time. But uh, if you're in the States, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, it's going to stream live on YouTube around the world, uh, so check that out. Now, you can uh, follow Brian on Twitter, at Brian Lacey, Brian with a Y. Uh, and, and Brian, you, in addition to uh, training MMA and, and and being a commentator, you also uh, are a comedian. We kind of referenced that, and uh, I want to ask you about that because uh, I, I don't know if you know, but uh, Frank is, uh, is, uh, I, like to, I like to play uh, jujitsu from time to time. Frank is an aspiring stand-up comedian these days. He's already made his onstage debut here in uh, the entertainment capital of the world, Las Vegas, a couple of months ago.
2: Uh, it's awesome, man. Because we said when we, we first met, our birthdays are close together. So I think we're only three days apart, same age. Uh, he's done one uh, stand up gig. I've done one MMA fight. Uh, so that there's a lot of similarities, and there is. Our wives are older. Our past. wives are older, yeah. yeah and both a, of them are within a few days of each other too. Within a few days. So yeah, we're, we're toy boys, both of us. So uh, uh, there's all these little similarities, but but we have we, sugar mamas. We go. Yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> edit that bit out for me my friend uh, <laughs> but but, man, but yeah without a doubt you should do it i mean just just sitting down and this is it as well you've you've done very well uh richard in in spotting really bringing out the talking in him, frank because he's a very quiet hu- hu- humble man oh, isn't yeah. he as far as yeah but he's, he's brilliant and we've just been out and uh uh we've we've both been jet lagged so we'll be awake at like five six in the morning and for the first day we met over here, uh, I thought, well, don't know what it's going to be like. He's obviously, he's a, a UFC fighter. I've been watching for, for a very long time. Um, and at six in the morning, suddenly we're talking politics, the Royal family, mm. the economy, uh, Genghis Khan and his gene pool. Yeah. Um, by seven, I think we covered pretty much every topic. So, uh, and the gambit, and uh, we, we did it. So, uh, I can see why why he's first of all doing doing the podcast. Uh, secondly, why he's brilliant commentary. But get him doing more gigs because uh, uh, there's there's some brilliant stories there, and, and that's the that's the way that's the way to get uh, to get better at doing comedy. Just get out and do it. And if you've got Vegas on your doorstep. I expect by this time next year, a carrot top to be knocked off of his shelf and the Frank May show to be launched.
1: (laughs) Now, Brian, do you. uh... Normally large guns instead of props. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever. uh, uh, Do do you uh, perform in America at all? Have you performed over here, Brian?
2: I've done, yeah, I've done some gigs in America. So I've uh, uh, done some down in Miami, down in Florida. I've never ventured over to Vegas or to LA. That's that's going to be uh, my next trip Hopefully we'll get to tie it in with um, uh, the ACB. They're going over to uh, California in Irvine in, um, uh, in January, the 13th of January. So hopefully I'll get to uh, stretch my comedy legs over there again. But, yeah, it, it's really interesting because coming from London, the UK, i, I, I gig mainly in the uk i get to fly around the world as well doing it but um it was great being in america being the outsider being the person looking in on your world and uh, uh yeah I, I love the comedy scene over there you've got you've got some of the best uh, comedians my favorites guys louis ck bill burr uh, people like that people who've changed the game and are just so consistently brilliant
1: well, we should put together some kind of a show then. If ACB's coming mid January, because our biggest American market is Los Angeles, and and Frank and I have been talking about doing a live show there for a while. If Brian's coming over for ACB, we should just tie all that in together and do a uh, do a live podcast taping, do some stand up ACB right. fights. Just make a whole experience out of that.
2: Yeah, let's let's drag Mister Pickett over there as well. Yes. So we'll. Uh... We'll set up a little backyard brawl somewhere so we can do all that. I'd love to do that, man. Yeah, without without a doubt, just to just to get over there and uh, uh do some more gigs, do some more for for the American uh audiences would be awesome.
1: I like it. You can follow uh ACB M M A on Twitter as well at ACB underscore league. I do want to let everybody know before we wrap that, uh, the latest phone booth fighting t-shirt has been discounted just in time for the holidays. Go to phone right now and order yours. Get it in time for Christmas. It's the, uh, it's the shirt that was inspired by the old turn of the last century boxing, uh, poster style with Frank and I, uh, squaring off and the old, uh, uh, in the old uh, John L. Sullivan poses, and you can get that shirt twenty percent off now uh, for the for the holidays. That's at phoneboothfightingshop.com. dot com. Brian and uh, Brad Pickett, their podcast, The One Punch podcast uh you can get in itunes or uh, wherever podcasts are available that's a great logo too by the way brian you got the microphone with brad's little uh uh the, the what do you call that like the traveler's hat or whatever the, on the top trilby of yeah it's yeah.
2: his tra- his trademark trilby so uh, uh brad pickett's uh, granddad used to be a uh a, 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 a street fighter so he'd make his money doing that so um uh he followed that so he wears the trilby and the braces this is before the, the reebok era kicked in White vest, Trilby braces. Uh, so we thought, what better way to uh, to set up our podcast than Dan. a little little nod in that direction and uh, stick sticks Brad's hat on a
1: microphone. And speaking of t shirts, that'd make a great t shirt. So you guys got to get those get uh, those printed up. I'll, I'll, I'll we will right have our
2: merchandise ready for our big show in Irvine on uh, the fourteenth.
1: There you go. <laughs> hey, listen, I got a local printer, so we can uh, we can handle all that and avoid uh, the nastiness of customs. Anything else we need to tell Brian? Uh, people about grabbing the the podcast, websites, anything like that you want people to know?
2: Uh, That's that's it. It's nice and easy. Just go to iTunes. We're up there. We're on the other usual ones for Android. Uh, Also, you can get um, uh, me on at Brian Lacey MMA. That's that's another uh, Twitter handle I've got, which uh, we feed a lot of the the ACB and the MMA stuff through. Um, So yeah, yeah, get in touch. Have a listen. Let us know what you think.
1: All right. Also, Brian was kind enough to mention it a couple of times earlier in the show, but uh, our latest episode of the Phone Booth Fighting podcast was really killing it this week on the iTunes charts. Uh, it's been as high as number six, and we really appreciate you guys uh, putting us there. If you want to help keep us there, uh, what we need you to do, uh, well, why don't you tell them, Frank? What What could somebody really help us out uh, by doing if they were go to, to go to uh, our, our uh, iTunes page? Well,
0: uh, anytime you go ahead and leave a, uh, a very favorable five-star review, write down a few kind words, uh, or, you know, I'm always into uh, some uh, well-thought-out constructive criticism. <laughs> and after that, you know, go ahead and just let a friend know. Tell oh. somebody at work, somebody you're with, hanging out, that uh, you have something in common, uh, that you'll enjoy the show and the conversation,
1: and then uh, spread the word. Uh, Brian, I hate it when he puts that idea in people's heads. It's like, ugh, the here they come. Yeah. All right. Well, let's put it this way: <laughs> leave us a five star rating and write us a nice review. We'll read those on the air. So if you want to hear those right on the air, uh, that's a that's a good way to make the phone booth fighting uh, airways. But but in all seriousness, we really do appreciate you guys continuing to support the show into 2017. And we have really big plans moving into 2017. Uh, some big expansion that we're going to continue doing and. We'll be talking about that in uh, the coming weeks. As far as what we uh, we we have planned for you guys, uh, you can get the podcast "Phone Booth Fighting" in iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Radio pod bean, podcast addict, uh, gosh, a whole bunch of other ones I'm learning about for the first time. I had no idea all the different places we were available until uh, I accidentally broke our RSS feed and people started screaming to the high heavens. So we've got all that rectified now. Uh, if for any reason anybody is still having trouble with uh, the feed or getting the podcast or whatever, feel free to email us phoneboothfighting at gmail and we'll troubleshoot that thing for you. But uh, yeah, just you know, uh, a handful of you guys and I really appreciate it have let us know you have emailed us and just said hey uh i'm getting it fine this is the platform that i use this is how i get it that's uh valuable information for us to know uh how we uh uh how we get to you guys so that uh, we can compile a list and keep that sort of thing from, from happening in the future. Uh, you can follow me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Richard Hunter. Facebook is official Richard Hunter Frank Mir. He's over on Twitter and Instagram at the Frank Mir and uh, his Facebook page is official Frank Mir. And uh, Brian, I don't know if uh, if you're a regular listener to Phone Booth Fighting, but uh, you know we always close out the show the same way, which is to see if Frank can accurately recite the various social media media platforms of the show itself, Phone Booth Fighting. So are are you ready for a live demonstration?
2: I can I cannot wait. This has been this is the bit I've been looking forward to. He's already started sweating.
1: <laughs> all um, right, here you go, right. Frankin. This
2: is the best.
0: I'm jet lagged on the other side of the world in freezing weather. Naked. Yeah. <sighs> shit. Uh, if you want to follow us on uh, phone booth fighting you can do that so on uh, Facebook or Instagram but if uh, you're on Snapchat or Twitter we're only at phone booth fight
1: well done. All right, boys. Thanks for the time, and uh, looking forward to the call. Uh, it's what I get up at seven a.m. for on a Sunday morning is to listen to Brian and Frank call the ACB fights that'll be going on uh, over in Saint Petersburg, Russia, live. You can stream it uh, free and live on YouTube on the ACB MMA page. Brian, thanks for joining us. It was a real pleasure. This international edition of uh phone booth fighting and uh we'll speak to you guys uh very very soon we'll see if we can uh, hook up this uh swap cast with with brad pickett after his fight with uriah Faber. so brian thanks for being on with us frank uh i will talk to you soon and uh ha- have a great uh night of fights tomorrow
2: hey, hey enjoy the fights man thanks for everything speak soon
1: this has been phone booth fighting and we'll see you next time
0: everybody was for